Lord with us? Can we stand together and sing? He has called us higher and deeper. We're going to sing about that before we hear some testimonies. I could just sit. I could just sit and wait for all your goodness. Hope to feel your presence. I could just stay. I could just stay right where I am.
to your neighbor and greet them. In the name of the Lord, tell them you're glad to see their face this morning. morning everybody. Hey, um, so uh, our youth group recently went, uh, yeah, you guys can have a seat. I forgot about that part. All right, good morning guys. Um, our uh, youth group recently just went on a really a short mission trip actually, this one was pretty short, but we went to a mission trip in uh, Zuni, New Mexico. We got to help kids and have some fun and do all that stuff. So uh, we have a really good video for you this morning that recaps it, shows you all we did and all the fun we had. So uh, please enjoy that video. thing that definitely stuck out with me uh, was Scott's um, devotions and how uh, the theme for the week was identity. When we go into Zuni, the identity of, you know, being a Christian and, you know, what, how we stick out as people. And so um, that's definitely one thing that stuck out with me. Awful part to me was in the giveaway, there were these kids trying to steal my hat, and they just needed those simple things like that. Um, to they needed a hat to just cover their face from the sun, and had they just needed those simple things that um, we take for granted every day. And but we, but at the giveaway, we provided things like that, and how excited the kids were. I thought that was powerful. The most powerful thing to me for Zuni was when we did the uh, testimony swap between us and this, the Zuni youth group. And it was really cool because like, I just saw like two different cultures opening up to each other about you know their struggles and what they're dealing with and all the things that's been happening to them. So I thought that was really cool, that was really powerful to me. thing was going to Zuni and being there on our last day during Sunday 
and we met this guy named Elroy, and he's came to us a lot before, and he usually tries to sell us stuff, but this time he just came up to say hi, and that was really impactful for me. So, uh, we were able to go to Zuni in Gallup, New Mexico, and as you saw from the video, our impact was multifaceted. We were able to do a few different things. Thanks to you guys, we were able to have a big giveaway, as you guys saw, uh, for the people of Zuni. Uh, a lot of things, as Benny mentioned, uh, that are very needed there. And also, we were able to help with the Manuelitos Children's Home. Come on up here, Ian. Um, and so, we did some work projects for them and connected with the kids. And another piece that I think Ian kind of highlighted was that th these guys' connections with this place has been over many years, and obviously the Miller family um, as well. But this is the fourth year going as a youth group, so you start to see these connections that have been made over time. Um, a guy named Elroy just coming up and saying hi, and, and the connections with the children at the children's home. And then finally, a new piece was, was the connection with the Zuni Christian Youth Group. And I thought that was really great, as, as Jackson shared, Jackson, um, about the testimony swap and being able to share. Um, some of these guys were able to share their stories um, and get to hear some from the Zuni Christian kids. So uh, some of these guys wanted to share a little bit about from their own experience at Zuni. So... No further ado. Um, hi, guys. My name's Nikki. I'm from a different church, uh, Thorn Creek, past Denver. Um, so this is my first time going to Zuni, and gosh, what a privilege it was. It was so amazing. Kind of like what Pastor Scott was saying, just the connections that we were able to make was just, like, amazing. Um, mostly my connections were with the girls of Zuni and their youth group. Um, a lot of the girls um, were struggling with their identity, which we talked about too. And I got to talk to this one girl named Cassie, and she kind of explained to us that she was moving to Albuquerque and her father would start um, drinking again. And the mass amount of alcoholism in Zuni and New Mexico is, it's crazy. It's just, it's a huge impact on people. So when I got to talking to Cassidy, I told her, uh, not Cassie, I'm sorry, Cassie, I told her during this time, you need to trust in the Lord as much as you can because when we're drifting apart and when we're going through those things that we go through, such as alcoholism or um, drug abuse, it's so easy to drift away from God and not trust in him. So I got to talk to her about that, and I think that was the biggest impact for me. So uh, I'm JT, and this is actually my fifth year going to Zuni. And for some reason, you know, I go every year. But it has a place in my heart. So I managed to get back there, and I managed to love it every single time. We uh, This is the first year we actually got to spend time with the youth group, which was pretty amazing. We went on, like, a 30-minute hike with them, and we went up to some pretty cool rocks and had some fun there. But I got to have, like, a really good 20-minute conversation with their youth pastor on the way. His name is Marlo. He was telling me how actually how hard it is to be a Christian in Zuni. 
he was telling me that, you know, the Christian people in Zuni feel like their own little group, you know, because a lot of the people there aren't Christian, and they don't really get the opportunity to speak to God and to have that faith. And so they, it's like a big, like one big group here and one big group here. And he's like working really hard to try and change that. And that just made me realize, you know, even no matter where you are, God is there somewhere. God is trying to reach the people anywhere and trying to show his love anywhere. Like, and that's just what that made me realize. And that's why Zuni is so amazing to us. So I'm Ian. I'm not sure how many times I've been to New Mexico. I've been a lot of times. We go like one to two times every year. So I have no idea how many times I've gone. But for me, during this missions trip, I was really impacted by just the people that came up during the giveaway and different times throughout the whole trip that recognized us and that I recognized them and it was cool to just talk to them and say hi like with my uh, testimony talking about Elroy came up and just said hi and that was pretty impactful for me because it just shows that we're really building relationships like making an impact on the people there and also helping us because we're learning how those people live and just understanding the gravity and stuff that they have and so it's just super impactful good morning my name's christy and what an awesome privilege it was to be able to join these guys and go this year um, first of all a shout out to terry miller because no matter where you go there your impact stays with those people constantly um, so many hugs sent your way and love sent your way so thank you for causing or creating the path for us to all be able to go and do this work. Um, second of all is shout out to Pastor Scott. Um, these guys all know I'm a crier, so it's okay. Uh, the relationship within our youth group and his leadership, compassion, love, teaching, his ability to play pretty hard. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's amazing, and uh, to watch these guys grow and learn within his teachings is, is just an awesome opportunity. Uh, for me, going out there, I didn't know what to expect, so yeah, there was the ability to do some service work at the children's home um, as far as maintenance and doing things around there, making a dinner, having to, uh, the opportunity to get to know the kids a little and share a meal with them, but for me too, this year, the bond that took place between our youth group and the Zuni youth group was just amazing to watch. Um, personally, on the day that we did the giveaway, I first met a young man, he's 13, his name was Felix. And as opposed to his brother, who was kind of the highlight of their family maybe, and wore our hot dog coat and gave away all of our hot dogs, Felix, on the other hand, was a very quiet, very held back, reserved kid that was sitting up against the fence eating his hot dog, and I went over and put my arm around him, and he quickly pulled back and said, no, don't touch. And, and so we just sat, and we just got to talk. And the awesome thing with having a few days with them was the next day when we went on the hike, I got to hike out with Felix and got to share a little bit about what I've come to call my hope story now and uh, hear a little bit about his and we, we had a good afternoon, and when we got back to the church that night, you know, when he got his dinner plate, he come and sat right next to me, and we just got to share and break bread together, and, and that meant a lot to him and to me. Uh, but that night when the kids all exchanged testimonies, um, 
when their youth pastor introduced it, instead of calling it a testimony, he said, well, I want you guys to share your hope story, what it was like, what happened that brought you to God, and what it's like now. And the vulnerability of these kids to share along with them. Um, two youth groups walked into that sanctuary, and one, one youth group walked out for sure. And so we spent the rest of the evening and got to play and have some fun. But at the end of the night, you know, that little Felix, he came over and he said, you could hug me now if, if you'd like to. Um, and so that, of course, will become part of my hope story. Um, so, yeah, what an incredible opportunity. And I just appreciate the chance to get to know these kids. And uh, once again, like, like they said, Pastor Scott's mission of the week was your identity in Christ, and uh, that definitely grew my hope story, so thank you. Just real quick, we wanted to thank you guys for, without you guys and your giving and your things for the giveaway and your financial help, this trip wouldn't have been able to happen, so thank you guys again, and I hope you guys enjoyed these testimonies. This is amazing grace.
morning. Your grace is amazing. We throw ourselves at your feet now and cast our crowns before you and say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. You are worthy to receive all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. We worship you today, Father.
talked on Thursday night at our practice about hecklers in our lives, and I don't know if any of you know what I mean by that. It could be friends, family members, co-workers. It could be your own self. The enemy uses to tell you lies, to heckle you, so to speak. We talked about Nehemiah. Now he had this great work that God had called him to do, rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, and he set out to do it. And he had hecklers, he had these two guys that were coming daily to the wall. You can't, what do you think you're doing? You're never going to be able to do this. Why don't you just quit? So finally, in, in chapter 6 of Nehemiah, you can go check this out. They came, they came at him, and Nehemiah was on to him, and he sent a messenger to them and said, tell them that I cannot come down because I am doing a great work. And we talked about, as a worship team, wow. I want to encourage you to to say that to the enemy when he comes at you next time, heckling you or whatever you want to call it. Um, I am doing a great work. What has God said, put in front of you to do? Commit to doing that. And just tell him, I cannot come down. I'm not going to come down in my mind, your spirit, or however he likes to get to you. But I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to be diligent. And I'm going to be doing what God has for me to do, whatever that is in your life. Let's sing this song together. Misha's going to lead us. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand.
till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand thank you Jesus thank you Jesus we welcome you Holy Spirit come and take over
in our minds out of through our lips they are a declaration of need a declaration of truth we declare our praises to you today simply because you are worthy of them regardless regardless of what the circumstances of life have been. What they even were this morning trying to get into this space. We declare our praise for you because you are God. You alone are God and you alone are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. Our songs join in with all of creation that are that are crying out to you the heavens and the earth are are declaring your praises today and uh, so we simply join in echoing what all the universes say Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace and goodwill toward mankind. We declare our need for you today. You know what our needs are. I cannot even begin to speak on behalf of everyone that is here today, but you know each and every person, each and every situation intimately. So corporately here, we just lay our stuff down at your feet. We breathe deeply in your presence. You are here. You had made a promise where two or more are gathered in your name. You, you will be right there. So your presence is here. It's real. It's evident. So we park ourselves at your feet with, with a purpose today to commune with you, to glean from you, to hear from you. We open up our hearts and our minds, our spirits and our bodies, whatever it is that you want to accomplish in us or even through us today. We are your people called by your name, gathered together in your space. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated and as you're doing so, I want to invite our ushers 
to join us up front as we continue our time of worship through, through our giving. provider. Thank you for the provision that has come and the provision that is coming. We honor you today with our giving, whether it's through our giving in the offering plates or through our, our electronic giving, through the website or the texting, whatever route we use today. It, it's an act of trust, an act of faith, a, a, a declaration of what you have done already and what you are going to do. So take what we have to offer you today. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. mentioned the e-giving um, in in the middle of that prayer. It's still something that we are uh, uh, able to offer you. So if you are in what most of our culture is in a, in a digital mode with all of your finances, you can continue to do so through supporting the ministries of Woodland Life Center. And you can see here a few ways um, that you can make that happen through our website or text to give. Um, we just we give ample opportunity for everyone to participate, and what a blessing it is to be able to participate in, in the kingdom work. Um, this week, folks, is VBS. I hope you have been praying for Vacation Bible School. It's always an important event, an important outreach for our church to the community. <coughs> uh, McKenzie, has a great plan in place and has pulled together a great team. Thank you for those of you that have committed to serve this week. And if you're still looking for a way to serve, I guarantee you it's not too late. Um, I've been made aware that one of the things that we're wanting to do this year that's different than years past is, is serve the kids a, a full meal. And we have a 15-minute window to pull that off. Now, there's a good plan in place to do that, but we really need more hands on deck to help make that happen. So this is a way to serve. Maybe you're, you might be afraid of children. That's okay. You can be afraid of children and still serve at this week during VBS. Um, and I've been made aware that, that that's a critical uh, need where we, can, we can't have too many helpers. Um, so um, here's, here's what I'd like to say to you right now. If... if if you're still wanting to sign up for VBS, I, I think it, um, Brother Ronk, is, is the sign-up table still sitting out there? Okay, P 
please check in at that place before you depart today. I'm going to try to say it again at the end to remind us of that. Um, but, uh, uh, and then we all need just to be bathing it in prayer as we want our community to experience the presence of Christ this week through that event. I want to invite you to the book of Ezra. <clears throat> the book of Ezra. And what's happening today, as we're still walking through uh, as best as we can the whole of Scripture, um, we, we are going to enter into a phase here where we're moving out of that, that special kind of a darkness that we've been in the last few weeks, known as the exile. Okay, so the exile, just remind us, is when Israel basically was, was removed from its uh, throne. We'll just call it that. The, the, the kingdom of Israel and Judah uh, was, was overthrown by the Babylonians. Um, Nebuchadnezzar came in, wiped out Jerusalem, wiped out the walls of Jerusalem, wiped out the temple, and uh, some, some of the Jews were killed, some of them were scattered, some were drawn into exile. And during the period of exiles, when we experience stories like Daniel and Lion's Den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay, these are, these are things that happen in that, what we've termed as special, special level, special kind of darkness. Um, and that period of time lasts about 70 years, okay? And it was prophesied about, you could read about it in Jeremiah 28, 29 in particular. We're going to uh, reference that a little bit today. Even in Isaiah, it, 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 it was known that it was coming. And because of Israel's sin and perpetual sin, um, uh, this, this whole event takes place. <clears throat> now, as we get to the end of this period of, of exile, we move into a phase of what's known as rebuilding. I want to use the term recovery today. And I want to use that term purposefully because I think it's going to, uh, it's going to connect with, with our journeys. We can use the re word rebuilding or recovery interchangeably. So you're going to hear me say recovery. And when I'm saying that, I'm referring to in particular uh, the, the rebuilding. And the rebuilding or the recovery phase uh, uh, that we enter into is, is in two parts. The first part of recovery happens with the temple, and the second part of the recovery happens with the walls around Jerusalem. The recovery of the temple will happen during the book of Ezra, and then the recovery of the walls of Jerusalem happened during the book of Nehemiah. But they're, they're tandem, okay? They're, they're one right after another and, 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 and a little bit overlapping, this recovery process begins because of King Cyrus. After the Babylonians uh, overthrew Jerusalem, the, Medes, the Mede and Persian army comes in and overthrows Babylon. And the first king of Persia, his name is Cyrus. Now, when Cyrus is enthroned, he has in his presence a man by the name of Daniel, who was also in the presence of the Babylonian king. So we have this thread, okay? Daniel. And as Daniel is, is hanging out in the presence of King Cyrus, um, we, we think what happened was Daniel came up to the king at one point and says, hey, king, I, I've got a few things I want to read to you. 
And he probably reads out of Jeremiah 28 and 29 and even out of Isaiah. And these are passages that have King Cyrus's name in them, referring directly to this man who is enthroned. Now, what's interesting is these passages were written 100 to 150 years earlier. So Daniel shows up to, to King Cyrus's side, and he's like, I, there's some prophecy that has been written about you. Now, we're, we're, uh, we don't see that this event actually happened, but there's something that, that moves on King Cyrus to allow Israel to begin to rebuild. And, and it makes sense to us that this is probably how it, how it occurred. And so with Daniel in his presence, because we know Daniel was there, Daniel's probably showing up and he's like, and he reads out of Jeremiah with Cyrus's name in there in scripture. You can look it up and you can see Cyrus's name in there. This prophecy written about him. And as Cyrus is taking this information in, and some of it's good and some of it's, some of it's uh, impending doom on his kingdom. And I, and I would imagine that it, it softens his heart and, 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 and it moves him in a direction where he's like, I want to do something about it I want, because I want God's blessing on my kingdom. And when, when these kings are enthroned, they have this forever mentality that, that even though they may die and that they will die, that their, um, that their sons will, will step in. And, and so the family lineage will continue on. They have this kind of forever mentality. So any kind of promised impending doom will, will shake a king. And I'm sure that as Daniel is reading these passages to him, he's shaken a bit. And so he signs off on a decree for... Jews who want to participate in this, they can head out from the Persian kingdom back to their homeland, and they can begin rebuilding the temple of God for worship. This is phase one. And as you're walking through the book of Ezra, you begin to see um, progress, and then some of the people of the area begin pushing back against the progress. In fact, so much so that they write letters back. And, and the, the progress of this, by the way, as you're walking through Ezra, lasts through three kings, okay? So you have, starts with King Cyrus, then it moves to King Xerxes, and then Artaxerxes. So it takes three kingdoms, basically, three time periods to even get this project into completion. And, and, and that it would include the walls around Jerusalem as well. It's quite an extended period of time. In the midst of that time, pushback begins to happen and letters are being written to this king. Hey, why are you letting these people do? These are rebellious people and, and they're often uh, against other kings. Why would you, uh, you need to check in, you need to stop this. And at one point, the work is stopped. Then it's verified. The king did decree this and it's begun again. And this is kind of the journey of the book of Ezra. We get to the point where Ezra finally shows up on the scene. Even though the book is named after Ezra, Ezra doesn't even show up till chapter 7. When he shows up on the scene and progress has been made and, 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 the, and the temple has been put back together and, and, and it's in reco- full recovery mode, he, Ezra finds something out and it devastates him. He finds out that some of the people, including leaders, have intermarried 
with foreign women. Now, this won't sound like a huge deal to us, okay? But understand that that the whole reason that the exile happened was because of idolatry. And as soon as Ezra arrives on the scene and, and, and sees that the temple has, has been put back together, and then he, the, the words come into his ears that, that some of Israel, including significant leaders, have, have intermarried with foreign women and, and they have mixed children together the, words, uh, the word that is used for his reaction is he's a, appalled. And we pick up the reading at Ezra chapter 10, right at verse 1. Listen to what's happening with Ezra. While Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping, And throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children gathered around him, and they too wept bitterly. Just take in what should be an incredible celebration, what should be a magnificent party that is getting launched here. A magnificent celebration has turned into turmoil, weeping, bitterly weeping, a a, a grieving. The assumption is this. The the assumption is Ezra has, has, and and before we read read this, he's torn his cloak, he's he's torn his hair out, and and he has, has just flopped down on the ground, appalled. I think there's an assumption. We're doomed. Fire and brimstone, here it comes. It's all, I mean, it doesn't matter what we've accomplished here with rebuilding this temple. Uh, the idolatry is, has, is already here, it, and, and boom, the judgment, the full judgment is coming. I, I, think, that's, I think that's what Ezra is, is assuming at this point. People gather around him and they join him. Then here's what happens. Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, one of the descendants of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. Now this happened, folks, by the way, during this, during this darkened period. So you could... You could argue, well, you know what? The Israel of the past is, is done, kaput. Probably never going to be put back together again. They, they probably couldn't have foreseen what, what, was, what was taking place, Re, reconstruction, rebuilding, recovery. So they're just going to hook up with whoever's in the area and, and intermarry. I mean, you, you, could, you could make an argument on, uh, for them on, on why they did this. We've been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us, but in spite of this, there is still hope for Israel. Now, let us make a covenant before our God 
And this is going to be shocking to you probably. Let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. Declaration is stunning to me. It, 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 it's stunning to me that, that they, they would decide that these women that they've married, intermarried with, and then the children, and these are children that they have fathered, have to be sent away. That's shocking to me. I'm sure that's shocking to you because we're so um, family-oriented as we should be that how, how could we think that this would be an okay thing, a, a good thing? I, I want us to keep the big picture in mind as, as, as we're seeing this happen, though. Because, folks, for recovery to happen... For recovery to happen, one of the key things that has to happen is cleansing. And you're a note taker. I would write that down. A key piece to recovery is, is cleansing. Now, there's a step that we see that happens before this cleansing process, which I think is, is equally as crucial, and it's the grieving piece. Now, I, I want us to think about something. Let, let's, let's think about ourselves for a moment. I want you to think about a time in your life, and there's probably been multiple because there's been multiple for me. It's just the way life is. And I want you to think about one or some of the darkest periods of your life. Event. Um, it might be a series of events. Just think about what, what, what might look like an exile period for you. Darkest period of your life. And then the recovery that begins to happen. And I think we see a few things in Ezra and Nehemiah that, that, that point to some some steps, some processes. What happens with Ezra is the first thing he does is he grieves. And I don't know what, what your recovery was like out of your darkness, but just about every single one for me, there, there was a grieving period that had, that had to happen. Grieving the loss of whatever was lost. That 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 thing that happened that led me into the darkness or happened in the midst of, of that darkness. And I had to grieve it. Oh, man, the thing I mentioned last week um, right, right at the end as, as we were closing um, with the song that I, I had written years ago, uh, you know, this, this guy that just had it out for me and just um, tried to take me, take me down. And um, 
it was so devastating to me. Now, like I said last week, he hung himself on his own noose. So that story resolved itself. But the effect on me, it, it, it led me, um, well, I, I've kind of already been in a bit of an exile. I had several people die in, 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 our, in our family. And I was struggling inside of that with those losses. And then this guy just comes at me at the same time. And it was just layer on layer. And uh, I had to grieve that loss. I had, I had to purposefully grieve the loss of that relationship because it was over and, and will likely be over, you know. We'll see each other maybe in heaven. I, I, don't, I hope he makes it. I'm going. I hope he makes it. But um, I had to grieve the loss of that friendship. But I also had to grieve... Uh, the loss of, of, of a fundamental belief that I had that, 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 I, that I operated on, that, that, I, that I led out of, the fundamental belief that, that if somebody says they believe in God, they want to do things God's way. I just, I just believed that, and I had to grieve the loss of that, of that belief, realizing that the truth is just because somebody says they love Jesus, hmm, doesn't necessarily mean that they have the things of God in their heart and their mind. That was a tough pill for me to swallow. Now, it, it probably is like, well, duh, you're probably thinking that. But, you know, as a, as a spiritual leader, I just, I just had this belief that that was true. And so I, could, I, could, I felt like I could win anybody over into, the, into truth. I could win anybody over into love, into and I found out that that just wasn't the case. I had to grieve the loss of, of all of that. And it was a key piece to this recovery that happened for me. Now, folks, listen, the, the recovery piece, when I say recovery, it doesn't mean that on this side of recovery, it's going to look like what it looked like before. I came out of this thinking a little different. Feeling and, and, and you know, it, it changed some of my, my philosophy and some of my theology. But the grieving piece was, was necessary. We see that with Ezra. That's one of the first things we see. And then we move into this phase where they decide they're going to send out these foreign women and all the, the mixed children. They all have to go. There's this purging, there's this cleansing that, that happens. Now, think about this. This is, this is in regards to what's, when the temple is being built. Now, the temple doesn't exist today as a building. But on this side of the cross, I'm going to use this as, as the cross point in history. But on this side of the cross, which is where we live, where is the temple? right here, right? It's not this room. It's not this building. We are the temple, okay? So I want you to think about this as we're thinking about application here. This is while the temple is being dealt with. The inside of us, the process of coming out of these special kinds of darkness, grieving the loss, 
paying attention to the emotions that are, that are happening in the midst of this, and then the purge, the cleansing. Now, it doesn't mean that necessarily we've done something wrong, but oftentimes in, in the periods of darkness, when, when, when bad things have happened to us, we even have to walk through forgiveness, forgiving those. I, I, at some point, bitterness was setting in in me, and I had to, I had to purge myself of, of all of this negative stuff that was setting in because of what this guy had done to me. Church, a key piece to recovery is the cleansing piece. Allowing the grieving to happen and then walking through the cleansing that needs to happen. This is how Ezra closes out. It's kind of a shocking ending to this book. But this is, this is how Ezra closes out. And, 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 and they send the women and children out. In fact, they even list the names of the men that were guilty of this intermarriage. <laughs> That's how the book of Ezra closes out. And we move into Nehemiah. And Sarah earlier referred to this passage. Nehemiah is, is now trying to continue the recovery process by, by rebuilding the walls that are around the temple. When we're applying this, we've just talked about the inside stuff that needs to happen. But what about the outside stuff that needs to happen for us? What kind of walls need to be in place for the recovery process to maintain itself. Nehemiah is trying to get the, the walls rebuilt, and, and there's resistance that shows up. There was resistance in, uh, during the time of Ezra, um, and, and now there's resistance showing up during the time of Nehemiah. And I believe that it's chapter 6, just as she said. The second layer of, uh, of, of resistance or opposition that happens Chapter 6 of Nehemiah, right at verse 1. Here's what it says. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, this is Nehemiah talking, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, they sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. See, we have an enemy that's constantly scheming, constantly setting traps. Constantly trying to put things in place that will trip us up, that will, that will remove our focus, our attention from, from what it should be on to other things. Trying to get us away from what is supposed to be happening. Sarah pointed all this out. Nehemiah is up on the wall, accomplishing a significant thing. Trying to, trying to complete the reconstruction of the wall 
that goes around Jerusalem and, and essentially brings protection for the temple, maintaining the integrity of the, of the temple and its functions. But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Nehemiah has sensibility about him. In fact, I would use the word diligence. A diligence that, 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 that is inside of his heart and his mind that he's not going to be pulled off of the job. He's not going to be pulled away from the task. His attention is not going to be diverted in any way. And here's the truth, and I, I, and, and I know you've experienced this, and I have too. Our enemies try to bring us down to their level. See, I love, I love the imagery that's in this picture. It's, it's, it, it, it matches up perfectly for us, right? He says, I am not going to come down to you, for I am about a significant work up here. Our enemies are always trying to pull us down to their level, aren't they? They divert our attention away so that we'll come down, climb down to their level, and once we've climbed down to their level, we're, now we're on their playing field. A key piece to recovery is making sure that we have walls. Now, I don't mean barriers that keep us from having a relationship with one another, but, the, but these are protective walls against the schemes of our enemy. Because you see, when, when our enemy has been able to pull us into a special kind of darkness before, guess what he assumes? He can do it again. And he can do it again. And he can do it again. And he can do it again. Now this is, this is the center point of Ezra's struggle, right? He's like... You all are doing what? You, you've done what? You, you've inter and, and here we are. See, the schemes of the enemy have, have already been at work. And this is why it's so devastating to Ezra. But he grieves, they grieve, they, they, they purge. And then there's this, the importance, the diligence of completing the walls. Bringing the recovery process to its completion, kind of protective barriers are in place in your life that will keep the schemes of the enemy from having success in your life. What kind of protective barriers or walls are in place where you can Respond to the enemy, just as Sarah mentioned earlier. Uh -uh, I'm, I've, I'm, I, the work I'm up to right now is far too important for me to come down to your level. I'm not playing your games anymore. Ezra 
Ezra and Nehemiah. Two books of the Bible that perhaps are often overlooked. But come to us today with significant strength. Significant strength and and help for us. Giving us the ability to experience life victoriously. And I want you to think about big picture here. Let's, 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 pull, let's pull the microscope off of these stories for a second. The, the, the special darkness that, that happens, this, this period of exile where, where people are, where Jews are scattered and some are, are, are drawn into exile. After everything is rebuilt, you would think that all of the Jews who have been scattered would all come back in and that there would be a geographic-centric Israel one more time. But it doesn't happen that way. There are many that don't return. And you would... You would um, as I'm processing this, I'm thinking, wow, that, that, is, that seems unsuccessful. That seems like a bit of a failure that, that, that the recovery thing doesn't bring everything back to its original condition. But I, 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 I want to offer this. See, because all these people remain scattered around, these Jews, they don't give up their faith system. So they, they put a synagogue over here, and then they have a synagogue over here, and then there's a synagogue over here, and the temple is still in, and then there's a synagogue over here. The temple is still intact, but there's these synagogues, right? And all these cities, villages, towns, synagogues are set up everywhere. Jesus shows up on the scene Everything about what he does is temple-centric. Everything about what he's doing is right here. Fulfilling, 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 when he dies on the cross. Now, the day of Pentecost happens, Acts chapter 2, right? Holy Spirit comes, dedicates his new temple. And he says to them, you will, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the Apostle Paul starts going on his missionary journeys, as you walk through the book of Acts, you can see this. Nearly every single place that he goes into, the first place he goes to is the synagogues. Now think about this. The gospel of Jesus Christ spreads across the globe because the synagogues are in place. Because it's these synagogues that first are able to receive the message of Messiah. And it's from these points that the message of Messiah begins to spread to the rest of these communities. You see, you can tie all this stuff back to this, this special kind of a darkness, this, this exile. Because had all of Israel remained geographically centric, we don't, we don't have these, these places where the gospel can get to. You and I, I'm just telling you, you and I are talking about this person, Jesus, 
Because I think we can point back to exile. We are the fruit of this period of darkness. When recovery happens, it doesn't mean that things are going to look the same on the other side of recovery as they did before. And I'm telling you that oftentimes what we'll see is the fruit of that darkness will begin to be testimonials. You'll begin, you'll be able to share your story of darkness and your journey of recovery. And you begin to share the love and good news of, of that reality. And as a result, that can be God taking what the enemy meant for evil and fundamentally turning it to whatever kind of good that he wants to do. That, that is, folks, that is remarkable to me. When, when you can pull the microscope back off of these things and begin to see the big picture, we have a God that is overseeing all of it. Maybe you feel like you're still going through the fire, the, sh- the fire of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe you still feel like you're stuck in the lion's den. Maybe you're somewhere in a recovery process. Or maybe all of those things, you're looking back and, and you can see your journey of recovery. As long as life continues here, there's a likelihood that there's going to be another darkness that will happen again. And another darkness that might happen again. How will you walk through it? How will you cling to the hand of God in the midst of that? Some people abandon ship and walk away from faith and walk away from belief in God because there's just no way that God, a loving God, could allow such darkness to happen. And when you start to get God's eye view on things, some of those really tough questions can start getting some answers to them. With your eyes closed, I, I want to invite Todd to, to join me up here again. We want to soak a little bit. With your eyes closed, I... I I just want to ask you to, to continue to kind of turn these stories in, in on yourself and your journey. Your tough times. And maybe you're in it right now. mentioned last week, the the thread that winds through all of these stories is a thread of worship, even right into today's story with Ezra. Jesus wants real relationship with us. I, 
when it comes to the word recovery, and I know when I throw that word out there, there's all kinds of context because, you know, and, and I've experienced many of those different contexts. I don't know how anybody can experience any real level of recovery without Jesus in their life. I just don't know how. But you would expect to hear that from me. This is all that Jesus has designed all this stuff for is so that we would be a, a temple, a, a dwelling place for him. That means that he wants real intimacy with us at all times. Not just a Sunday morning thing, but a Monday afternoon thing and a Thursday in the middle of the night thing. Just So I, I just want to invite us into a, a, a place of communion with him. And I don't mean the bread and the wine. I'm just talking about connection, communication, and allowing him to speak to us about whatever he wants to talk to us about. And maybe it directly applies to what we refer to today, maybe it's something completely different. It's the amazingness of our God. So I just want you to find your place of prayer. We're just going to sing a little. You can join us in singing or allow the words to just wash over you. just want to continue to wait on his presence.
waiting here for you with our hands lifted high and pray and it's you of this and glorify him singing one more time Jesus, we, we lift our praises to you today. And it is a, it's a thing we've been doing all morning, but it's something that we will continue to do as we, as we depart from this space. Reminded today that we are your temple. reminded today that there there are journeys that that we endure and some of those journeys are, are dark some of them are difficult where the word defeat would even be included in the mix of it and yet there's a journey through it that includes a process of recovery. And I'm, 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 I'm thanking you, Jesus, that, that you, you are a God of victory. Your work on the cross <clears throat> allows our journeys to have victory, even in the midst of tremendous darkness. We don't have to be overcome by the darkness. We don't even have to be oppressed by the darkness. We can walk in victory in the midst of it all the way through.
Remind us of the important pieces of that journey, though. How important it is to, to grieve what has been lost. To allow the cleansing work of your Holy Spirit to constantly be happening in us. Purging us of, of, of things that we've done and said, sure, that, 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 are, that are sinful, but, but even sometimes the things that have just happened to us that have, that have clung to us and, and have, have turned things inside of us into sin, like, like unforgiveness, bitterness. We want freedom in our lives. We want that to be the continual, perpetual reality of who we are in our journeys. And then remind us of the importance of the protective barriers that need to be around us. That keep the schemes of the enemy foiled over and over and over again because we are doing a great work and don't have time to come down to the enemy's level anymore. We are your people called by your name. We declare praises to you and it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray and everybody said, well, I hope this has been as helpful for you as it has been for me. I want to say a blessing over you in a moment. Just a reminder about VBS. If you haven't put your name on the line, as you head right out those doors, the table's right there on your left. Please stop and do so, especially if you can help us with, with some of the food prep. That would be amazing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May his countenance come upon you. May he fill you with his peace and his power this week. And Jesus, we, we lay VBS at your feet. Accomplish your purposes all the way through it. Have an amazing one. See you next Sunday.